3: In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula 1 including it's finally race week again, last year's Alpha pair, Kimi and Gio both get back behind the wheel, Red Bull go diet, Mr Martin focus on next year and some new lineups in Formula E.
0: and you're listening to the
3: fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is John Mylander and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty.
0: You're listening to the Cut
3: to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. The show is brought to you by the team at Formula Nerds. Keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at FormulaNerds.com. So, let's get the niceties out the way and go around the panel, starting with Sam. How's it going, Sam?
0: Yeah, all good, thank you. Um, hopefully we're, uh, we'll come out swinging again like last week. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm all good.
3: Swinging or not swinging, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's let's try and stay off carrot cake anyway. Uh, yeah, Abby, I mean, how, how are you, Abby?
1: I'm good, I'm good. Although the, the mention of carrot cake is making me a bit peckish during this podcast, but I'm good because it's race week again.
0: But you're one of the ones who are so outraged by the carrot cake. Because Victoria's
3: budget is
1: nicer. All right. anyway,
0: <laughs> let's move
3: on. Well, Catherine wasn't here for carrot cake gate. So, well, I was going to ask how you are, but more importantly, what are your thoughts on carrot cake?
2: I like carrot cake, but not when it has raisin, raisins in it. I do not know why they need to add that sometimes. So, I'm not sure people
0: do
1: that. that. Yeah, I've actually, never heard no. of that before.
0: It's I actually like do. Rocky Road, great. Apart from the raisins, the, they just ruin it. Raisins yeah. ruin things.
2: It, it should be illegal, to be fair.
0: Coronation Chicken, ruin So,
2: first of this
3: week. <laughs> It's race weekend, moving swiftly on. Yes, it's finally a Grand Prix weekend again. The Belgian Grand Prix, to be specific, and into the second half of the season. For the sake of the listener, that second half is in inverted commas, seeing as we're 13 down with 9 to go. But yeah, a quick reminder of the standings. We've got Max way out, way out in the lead, 80 points ahead. Surely, I mean, more than his to lose. It's never been lost from this kind of margin, But the battle for second is now surprisingly looking interesting. We've got Charles Leclerc on 178, Checo Perez 173, George Russell 158, Carlos Sainz 156, and Lewis Hamilton 146. So, yeah, we'll have a busy weekend with F1, F2, and F3. And one man who'll be having a particularly busy weekend is Liam Lawson. As well as 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 competing in F2, he'll be getting a run out in an AlphaTauri during FP1. You guys excited to
0: see what he can do? Very much so. He is the Red Bull and the Aftari Reserve, so we knew this was coming. I, I think it was already kind of announced a while back, but this is now confirmed. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be quick. He's he's, comf- he's very comfortable. He's very quick in F2. Um, he's not had the results necessarily that are representative of his season this year. So yeah, I think he'll uh, prove, people what he's, prove to people what he's got.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like you said, Sam, I don't think the first half of his season this year has kind of shown what he's capable of. So hopefully he can come back swinging in F2 and uh, showing us what he can do in Formula One as opposed to, not as opposed, mm, compared to Yuki or Gasly, whichever driver that he is replacing for the session.
2: Yeah, he is in fact replacing Pierre Gasly during the first session. And it seems really exciting for him because I think he has been mentioned with F1 for quite some time now so it's great to see him get the opportunity
3: so yeah he's he did a the young driver test at Abu Dhabi, I think the end of last year and yeah I mean we'll see what we can do in in the new regulation of cars he's got to be the the main hope for Red Bull's future now really with with Yuri Vich pretty much out of the, the equation and Dennis Hauger not quite certainly this year doing enough
0: to justify uh, an F1 seat in the immediate future no, it's interesting you mentioned Hauger there, though, because Marco Helmut Marco came out a few weeks ago and said that essentially Dennis Hauger is the next man up for Alpha Tauri. So, yeah, I don't know, we'll see. I, th- I think it's still too early for him, and I think Liam Lawson has earned that opportunity if it comes about. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see. Another thing on the on the menu in
3: Belgium will be course the long-awaited new floor regulations coming into play. Now, I won't bore you with all the details we've had so many times before but in a nutshell it was the middle ground found to address the porpoising and the potentially flexing floors so after all the arguments and delays do we think they're actually going to make a difference to the pecking order?
1: I think it could close the gap between some teams and drivers. I don't think it will change it drastically. I think Red Bull will be affected quite a bit. I think we'll see Mercedes and Red Bull get closer together because as Russell said he said that Red Bull are one of the teams that they believe to be using these illegal floors and we've seen upgrades on Perez's car that have slowed that Red Bull down as opposed to Verstappen so whether that was them testing out the new legal floor I don't know but I still think Max will dominate the championship and Red Bull will dominate. But
0: the gap will be closer. Yeah, I mean, when James mentioned the championship standings at the top of the show, it made me realise that Max could miss this entire triple header and still be guaranteed to walk away or walk walk into the next round, I think, is Singapore as the lead of the championship. That is how dominant this season has become for him. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're changing anything there, but Mercedes won two at spa. Easy. That's that's <laughs> calling it now. Put money on it. No, don't. But no, as Abby said, I think it, things will close up um, amongst the top three. And I think Ferrari will come back swinging as well.
2: I think probably it will help Ferrari, hopefully. And then, as you guys said, um, Red Bull and Mercedes will probably get closer to each other, especially since Mercedes had all those troubles at the beginning of the season with the poor poisoning So I think now this is something in their favour. And then Red Bull, it can be a controversial one because Red Bull, they had a smooth start, but they always said that they have some trouble with grip during the races. So I guess we will have to see how this, the new floor comes into place. Like, will it help them with that or will it make it even worse? But at the same time, I think... These last nine races, they will be more um, focused on Ferrari and Mercedes rather than Red Bull. Because I think Red Bull are just so dominant that uh, even if something like this, it wouldn't really hurt them as much.
3: Yeah, and the final thing to cover ahead of Belgium is the future of the Grand Prix itself. With rumours that it could be off the calendar next year, Christian Horner hopes that's not the case. He said, Monza Silverstone Spa, they're the big and historic ones. We should ring fence those and protect them. Now, I'm pretty sure we'll all be in agreement on this, so instead I'll ask you whether you think the support of the drivers and teams is going to be enough to save the Belgian Grand Prix. Cynically
0: and unfortunately, um, I'm going to say no. I don't think it will be enough. I think... Okay, I don't think it would be enough in a hypothetical situation. Spa's gone. I I think this year, next year, is a long goodbye. Uh, Monza's not going anywhere. That would be sporting suicide. Uh, and Silverstone as well actually has started to produce some really really good racing so yeah I don't think the team's influence would be enough unfortunately
2: I have to agree with Sam on that one and especially like when you have races like Spa and Monaco that Christian Horner said that they should be protected unfortunately I don't think that his words would really help especially since F1 is trying to attract a younger generation of fans and the younger generation would tell you that for example a race like Monaco is boring so Unfortunately, I don't think that they would have that much of a great effect.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say that I disagree with you both. But unfortunately, I do agree. And it is a shame because Spa is such a historic track within Formula One. And it's being replaced by all these American tracks like Las Vegas and Miami to bring in the money. And It sucks at the end of the day that money is the driving force behind the sport because Spa is such a historic track and a great one to include. But sadly, I think it will be off the calendar.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think most F1 fans feel the same on this. Certainly from what you see online, I think those three that the Christians mentioned are are the three that you really would want to save just to have some tie to the roots of F1. And, you know, there's, there's enough money coming in from... There used to be 16 races. Now we're looking at 23, 24. Surely there's space on that calendar for those three classic tracks. But moving on from a well, a historic Grand Prix to a, a historic team, Alpha and their drivers last year, Kimi and Gio. I'll throw to you, Sam.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you've probably already seen uh, and heard about it. It's been all over Twitter, um, all over socials. But Kimi Raikkonen got back in a race car over the weekend. It's not his debut in NASCAR. He did race in a NASCAR race about a decade ago. Um but I don't think it was a uh full-blown um NASCAR Cup Series race. So, yeah, so that was at Watkins Glen over the weekend. He was looking pretty quick for a, a relative novice. Uh in practice, I think he was um, at one point in the top 10. Uh, Daniel Kovia was also uh, amongst those racing, um, who Kimmy outperformed pretty well. Uh, but when it got to the race, uh, Kimi was running inside the top 10, so he did well from his starting spot of 27th. But unfortunately, he got involved in an accident around the midway stage and wasn't to finish... Uh, which I can only imagine saw a rather large decline in viewership in Europe uh, at that point of the evening uh, when that did happen. But guys, did any of you watch it? What do you think? Do you guys watch any NASCAR at all?
1: I haven't watched it yet. and NASCAR isn't one of the most watched categories that I have actually watched. However, from clips I've seen and that, I do think I'll be watching it now because it does look like a good category and especially with Kimi, I know that he moved up seven places, I think, within the opening four laps. And to be honest, it's just great to see him back in a race car, back racing. Um, Yes, it's sad that he did have to retire from it, but it was his first one. So who knows? He might end up storming
2: ahead. I haven't watched it either, but it just reminded me of when he crashed in F1 and just walked to his yachts. It just makes me wonder what he did this time when he crashed.
3: It probably wasn't a yacht there. Maybe, maybe you walked to a caravan.
0: Well, he went out for a meatball pizza, uh, from what I can tell from <laughs> social media. Um, so you know, Kimmy Raikkonen being Kimmy Raikkonen, yeah. Funnily enough, with NASCAR in Europe, there's this kind of oh, it's just going around in circles thing, which is ironically what non motorsport fans say about all forms of motorsport. But actually, I was watching the Bubba Wallace documentary um, on Netflix and. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot of science and physics involved into kind of the slipstreaming and the drafting. It's it's, it's really clever, and I, I'd recommend watching it because it definitely will give you a lot more respect for for how the kind of racing operates. But moving on from Kimi Raikkonen to one of his former teammates, Antonio Giovinazzi, who this week has been uh, lined up, speculated, rumoured to be in with a shot of the. Has drive uh, for 2023. So this is obviously not Kevin Magnussen's seat. We know he is locked into that seat for next year. This is Schumacher's current seat, which uh, is what will, will be vacant at the moment, as of the end of the season. We don't know where Schumacher is going. Will he stay at Haas? Will he go to Alpine? Will he go somewhere else? Or will he be in the sport at all? But Antonio Giovinazzi. I thought was a really interesting one because he had a really, really difficult season in Formula E. Very, very different disciplines, but he didn't score a point. What do you guys think? Do you think Gio's time has been and gone? Do you think he is, quote-unquote, mid, as lots of people were referring to him as? Or do you think he deserves another shot?
3: Well, he's 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 getting some FP1 sessions, right? That much is confirmed. Uh, he's got two sessions, I think. Italy and Cota, is that right? Yes, it is, and thank
0: you for actually uh, delivering the actual news part of, of my video. <laughs> That's bit all there. right. That's what totally, I'm here for. I got totally caught up in in it's that I forgot. Yeah. So no, but there's a lot of interesting points about why he'd be put in that car. Um, anything to do with his Ferrari links, maybe? It could be, um,
3: but yeah. I mean, touching on your your actual question, uh, he's. It was a tough year for him. I mean, he was he came in late. Uh, and he was always going to struggle and he was in arguably the worst team. I mean, not even arguably really, they they were last in the standings. But he didn't really ever catch up to Sergio Setti-Camera. He never really got on terms with him. And, you know, for someone with, okay, he, it's not like he's ever set F1 alight, but he was a, a solid driver in F1. You'd think that he would be there or thereabouts certainly by the end of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'd be surprised if he gets a drive next year, personally.
2: I think that when it comes to Giovinazzi, we cannot really compare what he did in F1 to what he did in Formula E. Just because when I went to Formula E, I got to learn more about it. And it's just, it is so much more complex than Formula 1. This literally like, I talked to some drivers that were there on their first season. And they were telling me like, it is so difficult and that you literally sort of have to learn how to race again. So I would sort of credit him with that. At the same time, I do not think that he's going to get another Formula One seat. I just think that probably with the good relationship that Ferrari and Haas has, maybe they wanted to, you know, have an experienced driver. Haas may be looking at what they want to do for next year. And I think, for example, if you put a rookie in that car, he isn't going to give you the same feedback that Giovinazzi, who is experienced in F1, would give you. Because a rookie would be looking at, for example, setting a fast lap and impressing the team so that he'll get a future seat. Whereas Giovinazzi would understand more what the team wants from him, if you get what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I think his FP1 sessions are for getting the required feedback that the teams would like. I don't think we'll see him in F1. I think out of the current drivers on the grid that don't have a seat, like Daniel Ricciardo, who has been in talks apparently with Haas to potentially move there. And also some of the F2 drivers, I think there are better options for the F1 seat than Giovinazzi. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a curious one because you've got experience in Kevin Magnussen. So you would, surely you'd be looking... At a high potential, you know, rookie, or Schumacher, or just keeping Schumacher. So, is Schumacher pushing to get you know, to move on, and they're starting to kind of panic? Because to be clear, Jovanazzi driving an FP one for two sessions doesn't count at all towards Hass's requirement to field two rookies or a rookie in two sessions um, for free practice over the season. So they are going to have to put in a. Well, a rookie, I was going to try and speculate as to who it might be. It's it's odd, because surely having your actual regular driver produces more data and feedback, in, or maybe they're just not getting that from Schumacher and Magnussen, which would seem strange, so they're wanting a third opinion. Potentially, could it be Ferrari wanting to keep G- Giovinazzi a little bit fresh, up to date with the new regulations in case, for whatever reason, he needs to step in. Obviously, we still do live in the COVID-19 world, so there is always that possibility. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking
1: across sports, media, and entertainment
0: Moving on from Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi, but staying with their former team, Alfa Romeo Sauber, it has emerged in the last day or so that it's looking increasingly likely that Audi will buy out the Sauber team. And this will be from 2026, we believe, when the new engine regulations come in. One of the worst kept secrets in F one is that the Volkswagen Group, who owns Porsche and Audi, are looking to get those two marquee names into the sport for the new engine regulations uh, that come into place. Yeah, as I said, in four years. So the current Alfa Romeo deal runs till twenty twenty four. So could you see a Audi Salva team for a couple of years and then a full Audi Works team from twenty twenty six? What do we think, guys? Are we excited by this news? Because I think it's it's pretty big, and I think it could be really good for the sport.
2: Considering where Alfa Romeo has been in, like, recent years, I think it would be good for them to get some investment, especially from Audi, who are experienced in motorsports. They are a big car manufacturer, too. So I think it might actually be maybe a positive step for them. Yeah, I
3: mean, I think we'd all rather have uh, a devoted works Audi team, obviously, but it's, it's always going to be wishful thinking. Yeah, it would just be nice to have more... Engine manufacturers involved in the sport—that's uh, never a bad thing. And however it ends up happening, then that works for me. And yeah, it'd be a great name to have in the sport as well.
1: Yeah, I echo what Catherine and James have said. I think it would be really good to have them in F one.
0: Well, good. I'm glad you're all uh, excited about it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they had been closely linked with McLaren, but it looks like they they are now going a different direction. um What will happen with the Andretti rumour entry? We'll have to see because they also had a bid rejected last year to buy the Alfa Romeo team. So still potential for an 11th team, which is what ultimately we all want. So, you know, fingers crossed on that front, but we'll have to see.
1: Well, as we head into Spa, obviously, James mentioned earlier about the new floor regulations, but something for Red Bull is happening. The Red Bull is going on a diet. Obviously, there is a minimum weight for the cars in Formula One. And across this season, it was 795 kilograms at the beginning, but it has been increased to 798. Now, all teams, apart from Alpha Romeo, were too heavy, but Williams and Aston Martin were able to reduce their weight. But Red Bull are still overweight. But Suspar and that, they are trying to reduce that by creating a new monocoque, which is the survival cell that protects the driver in order to try and meet these regulations do you guys think that for red bull going on this diet will affect their car much do you think it will impact their performance at all
3: it's so hard to say uh, especially with the unknown that is this year's new regulations i mean they've they've got enough of an advantage certainly in the championship i mean okay you could argue that the ferrari definitely has been the fastest car on pure pace uh, but the Red Bull's already so fast in a straight line reducing the weight I mean yeah it's it's unlikely to to affect them in a negative sense you'd imagine we will have to see exactly and obviously yeah like the like I mentioned the floor regulations could make a bigger change but yeah uh, the the fact that they are overweight is kind of ominous for the performance they could pull out
1: yeah definitely the fact that they have that much speed and are so much faster than their title rivals being heavier in that. it It is quite scary, I can imagine, for the opposing teams who are closer to the minimum weight. But also heading into Spa, they, there is some news around Haas as well. They are running a heavily updated car for both drivers this time. Previously, they had upgrades for Magnussen's car, but this time Schumacher will be getting them as well. Moving further down the field to look at Aston Martin. Obviously, we all know the news that Fernando Alonso is heading there next year, joining Lance Stroll as the driver lineup. But team principal Mike Crack has said that signing Alonso to the team is a statement of intent. He said that we are not on the grid to make up numbers, we are here to win. And Alonso has that killer instinct that will help the Aston Martin F1 project to create loads of wins and podiums next season because essentially Aston Martin are aiming to be a team where success is the norm which obviously at the moment considering this year's performance that is definitely not a close goal but they feel like Alonso can help them achieve this winning culture. I was a bit surprised when Alonso moved to Aston considering how Bad they're performing compared to Alpine. Do you guys think that he can bring this much to the team to help them achieve race victories next year?
0: I think in some ways he's become a bit of a fixer, um, or seen at least as one for teams. Because if you look at the McLaren era that Alonso endured painfully, pushed him into temporary retirement, let's not forget. But that was right before their return to form, or at least a... Increase in their performance, not quite to the kind of you know early two thousands form or late nineties form that we um, grew up with, James, um, or even the early nineties. Yeah, you know, let's face it. My point is, is that it was relatively not a return to form. However, do you th- is there a link there? Alonso surely had an impact because even when he's sulking and being moody and clearly not enjoying being at McLaren at that time, he must have had an impact. So I think he's proven in that area. It's odd f- from what he gets out of it, I guess is a paycheck, right? Because I can't see them being a race-winning team in two years. I can't see them being better than Alpine in two years. So he's giving up a lot there. It's you know, It's a two-year deal. It's more money. That's why he's made that decision. As I said a few weeks ago, it's mutually beneficial.
3: So do you think their their long-term plan is hire Alonso so when they get rid of him, they'll return to form? Because so that's generally how it works, right? McLaren returned to form after he left. Ferrari had a horrible 2014 car and then came back with wins in 2015. The curse of Alonso is just a short-term plan for, for Aston Martin, yeah? So they'll be terrible next year and then he'll leave in disgust
0: and then they'll win. I think the Ferrari example there is an outlier because I think... Alonso was dragging <laughs> that team along, yeah. and they were very much on no, on his I'm coattails. Not at, being at, at serious, obviously.
3: Like <laughs> but, he's
0: yeah, he's. Uh, I, I
3: he's, take your point. No, he's there to he's, uh, Yeah, on. he's he's probably going to bring them a little bit up the grid. You think? Just it's so hard to say that because he's such a, a volatile personality from from all accounts, pretty much. And you know, he's he's created war at teams, but he, you're not going to rest on your laurels with Fernando there. Like,
0: however, you look at it. No, but we know that he will drag a impressive result out of a less than impressive car. Yeah. And also, no one's ever going to say it. They want to admit it. But I think that quietly, they don't trust Lance Stroll yet, or they want to give Lance more time to develop. I think Lance has a lot of potential. He's obviously very, very quick. And I actually think he is deserving of his seat in Formula One. Do I think he can lead a team yet? No. So I think bringing someone like Alonzo, he will guarantee you strong performances and hopefully results, which allow you to then kind of start moving up the, the standings. Whilst you give Lance time, because let's face it, Lance is locked in as long as La- as long as Lawrence Stroll owns that team, Lance is there. So you do what you can with this, the other seat, essentially.
1: Yeah, and I also think having Alonzo there now. I feel like I can see a clear difference between Alonso and Vettel. Like, obviously Vettel is retiring and he said the talks about his retirement have been in the works for at least a year. So I think Alonso has more tenacity and more drive than Vettel did. So I think he will definitely help Aston Martin improve from where they are now. But I still think there'll be several years before they become a team where success is the norm.
0: Yeah, that tenacity, that drive motivation, essentially, is at at, their, at this kind of twilight point of their career, relatively speaking, Alonso being a few years older, is the difference. I think Alonso is performing at a much higher level than Seb is. You know, and, uh, and Seb gets forgotten too much. for the, All the amazing things he achieved in sport, people like to say it was the car, which is ridiculous. He is far better than people often give him credit for. However, at this stage of their careers, Alonso is better.
2: So ITV News has just reported that the six British GP protesters have been charged um, with causing public nuisance at the Silverstone Grand Prix during the opening lap, which saw Zhou Guanyu suffer a horrifying crash. And then we move on to Formula E. And today there were some major signings made. So Nissan have announced the lineup for next season. So they have 23-year-old Sasha Fenestras, who's French, And despite his debut in the championship, he has previously tested for Jaguar in 2020. Currently, he leads the Super GT500 and is also second in the Super Formula standings. And then they confirmed another French driver, Norman Nato. He's 30 years old and he is returning to Formula E after he was a reserve driver for Venturi in 2018 till 2020. And then he also was their full-time driver in Season 7, but only to get replaced by Lucas Di Grassi a season later. And then we have McLaren, who are just joining Formula E this season and they confirmed Rene Rust. He has raced for Audi in Season 7 in Formula E and then he joined their TDM team, But now he is also confirmed to be joining the BMW team along with his Formula E duties. And to be fair, that got me thinking a bit because we were all saying how, for example, maybe a Formula One driver would join McLaren's Formula E team. Maybe it would have been Ricardo, or maybe they were going to take in one of the rookies. So who do we think that maybe the second driver will be?
0: Potentially, it could be... one driver we know has had talks with them, and I imagine quite a lot of drivers have had talks with McLaren, and they also have a, a a deep roster to draw upon. But Jake Hughes, the uh, Van Amersfoort F2 driver, who is currently the Mercedes EQ Reserve driver, obviously that entry is what is becoming the McLaren entry in Formula E for next season. So he has had talks with the team. We don't know anything more than that at this stage, but interestingly, he has announced that he's not... Finishing his F2 season with Van Amersport, David Beckman, who has debutised for him when he had COVID at the back end of the summer, um, is taking his place for the final four rounds. The reason for that is Jacob's quoted saying that he wants to focus more on his increasing and future commitment, hopefully, future commitments with Formula E. So, That is a potential option, but there are a lot of unconfirmed seats in Formula E still. So he could slot in somewhere else. It could be a reserve role. But that's who my money is on, quietly. I don't see a a Pelot or a Rosenquist, or maybe maybe Rosenquist, but a lot of that roster of McLaren talent I don't see going there, especially not Daniel Ricciardo. Let's uh, nip that one in the bud.
1: Yeah, I have to... Agree with you, Sam. I, I definitely don't think that Ricardo will be going there. Hughes, he is a likely option as he has left F2, like you said. But also on F2, there is news that Ollie Caldwell, he is missing this weekend in Spa because he has a race ban. So Lurim Zendeli will be driving the Campos for him in his place.
0: Yes, well, it will be interesting because Ralph Boshong in the other Campos is returning from injury. So you could potentially see, I guess, Roberto Mary in that seat. At some point over the triple header, if that injury doesn't, if that you know injury does re- reoccur, um, so yeah, lots of changes at at Campos.
3: Yeah, I mean, we'll keep it interesting. Uh, it should. I mean, everyone will be happy just to be back with racing again after what's felt like a very long August. But I think that's about all we we've got time for this week. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Be sure to head over to to check out the latest news, and of course, on all your usual social outlets. And then go and check out the Cut to the Race podcast, where we've had some amazing guests over the summer break, with plenty more to come. But for now, we'll finally have a race to review again this Sunday. So that's you up to date with the world of F1 for now. Thank you guys for joining me. Always a pleasure. Never a chore.
2: I have no idea what to say, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys,
3: you guys <laughs> I was, was wondering, I was it did say. sound like the start of a poem. Yeah. Like, it did,
2: didn't <laughs> it? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm still getting up to that, Um, so, you know, to like that type of English. So I'll just say, <laughs> see you on another podcast, I guess. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Always a pleasure, never a chore. Join us next week for some more. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're
2: listening
3: to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out
1: and away we go. Away we go.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.